Welcome to Working From The Inside Out with Finesse Equestrian and your host, Ali O'Brien. Join us as we unpack the equestrian dream, talking to incredible riders, equine experts, and a few of our own tips too. Welcome to Working From The Inside Out. Tonight I am so excited to have with me Becky Watson from Mahurangi Riding School up past Auckland here in New Zealand. And tonight we're going to be talking a little bit about what she does in the riding school. And um, we're going to start off just with Becky introducing herself, telling us a bit about what she does and what got her into teaching. Awesome. Oh, thanks, Ali. Hi, everybody. Um, my name's Becky. I, um, as Ali mentioned, I am um, the person behind Maharangi Riding School, um, which is a little riding school um, in Kuiper Flats, North of Auckland. Um, and I set that up uh, about two years ago now. And um, I've, I've taught ever since I can remember. Um, since I was a teen, it was one of my first jobs mm-hmm. um, that I did. And I've always been really passionate about it to the point where at one point I, you know, preferred teaching over writing myself. Um, I really enjoy seeing other people, um, you know, reach their goals and I get a lot out of um, coaching others and I put a lot into coaching others. Mm. Um, And one thing that that sort of really backed my decision to start uh, writing school up this way was that it didn't seem to be too many places around that um, specialised in adults returning to writing. Um, and so I went into it with that type of focus. However, I have somehow ended up <laughs> with a large uh, client base of, of children as well, which I also <laughs> love. But, yeah, we were mainly setting it up to um, to cater for um, adults that wanted to get back into the saddle after having a, a wee break. So, yeah, that's a bit about me. We've got... Um, nine horses, I think now, or nine and a half if we count the mini. Um, that's six that are used in the school. So we are quite a little establishment. (laughs) That is really cool. And, uh, like tell us a bit about each of the horses and, um, and what, I guess what their jobs are in the riding school. Yeah, for sure. So I've got quite a cool team, um, because I sort of stumbled into, starting this it was sort of literally I've always had the dream of doing it and then one day I went you know what let's let's have a look let's see if I can get my hands on a property that um you know has the facilities um and then it all happened really quickly and I just had to roll with it so um my current horse at the time was kind of thrown in the deep end and her role went from being my competition horse to um you know starting to teach people on her um and then from there it just all happened really quick I ended up purchasing um a schoolmaster that I used to have when I was a teenager. He was the first sort of oh. off the track thoroughbred I brought on, on myself. How cool. Um, brought him back and he, he's in the riding school and um, and the team just kind of grew like that. Like horses just sort of fell into my lap. Um, I've only had to sort of gone by um, I think one or two horses. In fact, one of them even was um, a client's horse that she wanted to um, move on because she wasn't quite right for her. So yeah, they've all kind of um, fallen into my lap. So two are returnees, um, horses that I used to have as a child or a teenager, and they've come back for their senior years to sort of semi-retire and um, and teach people to ride. Oh, um, and the rest are, um, yeah, like I say, one of my main horses. Um, we've got uh, a... Um, 
Thoroughbred, the one that I brought off of my client, and um, she's everyone's sort of secret favourite. <laughs> <laughs> she's not the prettiest or has the nicest paces and her jump's a little bit full on, but um, she's everyone's, yeah, sort of, yeah, secret little little favourite. I think everyone has like a soft spot for her. Yeah. Um, and then we have um, another schoolmaster type um, called Ryan that um, I'm lucky enough to use. Um, he's he's a real dude. So all the horses are, are super adjustable and um, they genuinely enjoy their work and that's a big thing for me. Um, the mm-hmm. second a horse sort of starts to look like it's not enjoying its job, um, then I, I tend to sort of go, okay, well, you know, it's not really fair or it's not for them and we move them on to, you know, maybe that, that their person um, versus yeah. having to be shared across so many people. Yeah, that's awesome. And so what do you, I guess two questions, what do you do uh, to keep them enjoying their work? So that, because you know you see so many horses in, I guess, like riding schools or trekking businesses that kind of are a little bit like lifeless. Yeah, yeah, no, you're not wrong there. And that was one thing I never really wanted to um, be seen as, um, you know, that type of establishment with really shut down horses um, when I started this as well. And um, I think the biggest thing for me is giving the horses variety Um not overworking them. So um, we are just a part-time operation. So we only operate two evenings and one weekend day um, a week. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the time, the horses are either, um, you know, just turned out in the paddock um, or they might have someone that leases them. Um, So I've got a couple of leases that are more experienced um, adult riders or got a, um, a younger rider as well and during the week they'll take them out for hacks they'll take them to the beach they'll do a little bit of schooling with some pole work and um, so they're getting that real change of, of scenery um, which I think is just super crucial yeah. um, the other thing I always wanted to, to do was to make sure that they got the best type of care so um, they'll get body work on a frequent basis um, which I think is super crucial given you know their their main riders are quite unbalanced, um, you know, mm. beginner riders that, that you know, um, it is hard to carry that around um, as a horse, especially if, you know, you're not the fittest. Um, so body work and just making sure that the tack's always well-fitting, so regular saddle fittings. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if, if a horse isn't necessarily enjoying a particular bit, just changing it up and, and just making sure they're feeling good in what they do. Yeah, that's awesome. Good on you. Because I, I think, yeah, oftentimes those things are probably overlooked a little bit. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. Yeah, that's really cool. And so when uh, people come along to you, like I guess um, with the horses, do you kind of start them off on, say if you have somebody come along and they're just like really, really beginner, do they have the opportunity to move on to different horses as they progress along through their learning journey? Yeah, 100%. And that's something I'm really big on. Um, I myself, I learned on such a wide variety of horses. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe it's done me the world of good now. I can, you know, I can jump on anything and, um, you know, generally push the buttons, <laughs> the right buttons. Yeah. Um, and I, that's something that I've always been quite big on. So um, my clients are frequently changing horses, even the ones that lease a horse off of me. Um, it's sort of seen as, I guess, their own horse for the most part of the week. But I'll change them up even onto different horses Um 
and you know the more experienced ones that are, are sort of you know starting to find the buttons and the schoolmaster and the schoolmistress types I'll swap them out onto something quite young um, mm-hmm. that might necessarily be more one of my horses um safe of course but they they um can start to learn how to ride something that hasn't got the buttons um, and, you know, how to keep the horse straight between your leg um, because it's not just going to do a nice straight line all on its own. So, yeah, being able to ride and be adjustable um, is, is something that I'm, I really do teach and, and encourage with my students. Um, and if they, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll whinge if they get put onto maybe one of the slower uh, – um, horses that needs a little bit more um, leg, but they understand that you know if they can use their leg properly and and build up um, those skills that they'll eventually be able to really use that leg properly and get a good result from that horse. And I think if you can get them to um, see the bigger picture, they're always really on board with those changes and not always riding the school favourite. Yeah, that's such a neat idea because I think oftentimes um, we see people who are really, really good riders, like they're lovely riders, but um, perhaps lack the understanding and education on how to ride a horse that doesn't just have all of the, um, like a schoolmaster type that they can just hop on and go sort of thing. Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. So we do lots of riding as well like it's out of the arena to try and teach um, the riders, you know, how to um, handle a horse in a situation where, um, you know, perhaps that flight instinct kicks in or, you know, you're going towards home and, and you start to get that sort of faster pace or that jig jog. Um, and, and how to control that and, and how to not end up getting tense and nervous in that situation because that's what I would call a real-life situation um, yes. that you don't necessarily learn when you're in an arena. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's that's really, really neat. Cool. I like the sound of that. <laughs> so uh, what about your own background? Oh, I could be here all day. <laughs> um, so I I come from a family that are not horsey at all. I don't even know how I stumbled into this big, intense passion that I've got. Um, I have always been involved with horses ever since I think I was about three or four years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, my parents just knew from a young age that um, – it was something that I, I wanted and I had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've always been, it sounds like, quite a, a driven person. When I want something, I get it. So I think I probably bugged them enough that, you know, they were like, okay, we just have to give in and get her <laughs> on a horse. And that was the worst probably thing they could have ever done because it's, you know, been pretty full on since then. So um, I guess to summarise, I um, – I got my first pony. I, I grew up in the UK, actually. That's probably something that people don't know about me. Oh. Grew up in the UK, yeah. And so I, I went through, like, the British riding school, um, you know, way of learning. And I think I channel a lot of that in my teaching myself. I'm very foundations and everything's done properly. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, that's how I – that just is a reflection on how I learned. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess from there we moved to New Zealand. I got my first pony because it's a lot more affordable here to do that. Um, in the UK you just – you sort of more loan horses or you um, do like a half half share in horses, which is wow. quite common. Um, so I got my first pony here and being uh, 10 years old and with parents that had no idea, we brought me a – uh, four-year-old, four-year-old pony that had just been back. So you uh, sound just like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
and look, I feel like it taught me a lot, and I, I kind of continued to have quite challenging ponies, um, given that my parents had no idea and the budget didn't expand to uh, fancy ponies or gear, and um, it, it taught me a lot in terms of resilience and, um, you know, having to really work for what I got, but Eventually, I managed to um, produce a couple of horses quite nicely and, and make some money and be able to sort of pick myself up some um, horses that had a bit more talent. Um, mm-hmm. And so did the whole Pony Club thing, went through Pony Club, loved it. Um, you know, did all my certificates through through Pony Club, did my um, Pony Club eventing and show jumping and, um, you know, all of that. And um, got into teaching around 16, I think it was. Um and at that point, I'd left school to teach um, full-time. Um, mm. And, um, yeah, that that was interesting at that age, um, leaving school at 16 when you think you're an adult and <laughs> trying to make a full-time job out of, um, out of horses uh, when you don't have too much idea um, of the big wide world was, was certainly um, a learning curve. So, yeah. That was, I guess, when I decided that's what I wanted to do and I kind of just jumped into it and um, it took, what, 10 or so years to realise that I probably had to do it again once I had um, a full-time job that paid the bills and then gradually eased myself back into um, to teaching and I guess that's how my honey writing school came about. Um, but in between the two, starting teaching and then opening the school, I also worked for another writing school mm-hmm. um, down in South Auckland, which... Um, taught me a lot of things, um, and I learned, I think, there how to be a really, a really good instructor, and to you know sort of really plan my lessons well and um, keep the team happy in terms of the horses, and, and they're all things that I've taken and put into um, the school here. Um, but yeah, I don't necessarily compete as much as I used to anymore. Like I said, I put a lot more of my time and my energy into others mm-hmm. um I've tried to, to juggle it and do both and it's just not possible <laughs> um but I'm far happier you know helping others and just playing around with a couple of baby horses that I've got than getting out there and, and um, competing sort of at a high level myself mm, that is awesome so um as you were talking um I thought about uh, like what does it take to be a good teacher because there's a big difference between um, somebody who is good and somebody who isn't so good. Yeah, it's a really tricky one, and like I don't know if there's like a straight answer to that because it's it's sort of like um, you know what makes a good leader, and there are so many different answers, and and you know I might say one thing and then someone else might say another thing, and and you know, there's no wrong answer with that. Mm. Um, I think um, someone that, you know, is um, supportive but also realistic. Um, one thing that my clients will know about me is that I, I'm not, um, you know, I, I won't dish out praise um, just for the sake of giving praise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you've got to have that balance of, um, you know, being able to, to give out that constructive criticism and give out that um, what's the word I'm trying to find? Give out the 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 tools and give out the feedback that the writers need um, mm-hmm. without being a bully and, and kind of you know being too um, critical, um, but also 
you know, give out the 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 praise and you know the well done's where it's due. It's just that balance. Yeah, um, I think as well, leading by example is really important, mm-hmm. um, and that's something that I try and do. Um, but yeah, I guess that is something though. Um, the, the leading by example thing um, that. You know, sometimes, um, not even us, we, we, we sometimes can't take our own advice. Coaches, <laughs> it can be quite tricky. Um, yeah, I, I think those are the main things. And, and then I guess just being approachable. Um, yeah. And, yeah, those would be the, the, the main things for me. Yeah, that's awesome. And so you talked also about planning, how you got good at planning lessons or sessions. Yeah, yeah. So what does that look like? Is that sort of like beforehand, I guess, knowing a person and knowing where they're at and um, and putting together something that is going to benefit them and, and building building them up each time? Yeah, yeah. I guess it sort of depends, I guess, on, on the situation. So I teach individuals and I teach people in a group setting. So I've got, you know, on the one hand, people with their own courses that perhaps, perhaps come to me um, wanting instruction, then I've got people that are on my ponies um, or horses in a, in a group setting. Um, I think the main thing for me is is understanding the goals of each rider, mm-hmm. um, and that's something that I want to actually channel more into um, into my my lesson plans. Because um, at the moment I sort of work it off what I want everybody to achieve. Um, but that is something that I want to sort of filter in more is well, what do these people actually want out of each lesson? And we dabble in it, um, but I think it could be more focused. It's just hard when you've got a group and you might have four different people that uh, all want, you know, to achieve different things. Um, but yes. you, you at least need to be able to understand at a basic level what that looks like for that person, whether it's, you know, to eventually be able to walk, trot, canter, jump um, or to go to the Olympics. Um and, and have that in the back of your mind. But I guess it's um, the lesson planning for me is just about being organised and being able to make the, the most of the time in the session. So having it all really structured, um, mm. perhaps knowing, um, you know, what that particular lesson needs to work on and, um, you know, sort of breaking it down into um, little steps Mm-hmm. And each lesson working on a little bit of, of that skill until you can build it up over three or four lessons to have the, the skill, um, you know, being able to be done. Um, that's, I guess, the goal. Um, but we do a lot of in our lesson plans. There's a warm-up and then there's discussion around what we're going to learn. And then we go and do the do. It might take a bit of demonstrating. Um, and then we come back and we talk about how we went. And, mm. and we're trying to, at the end of each lesson, I guess, also have that discussion around what went really well and, and what we can improve on. Yeah, that's great. Because I think that that's an important thing that probably doesn't happen in a lot of typical riding lessons is having that discussion at the end and um, and and I guess also seeing if they took away from the lesson what you intended on, on getting across to them. Totally, yeah. And look, even for me, that's something that, um, you know, you try and put so much into a lesson um, that at the end it's it's generally like, oh, that was great. Okay, see you next time. Um, but it's actually really important and I sort of have had to stop and really think about that lately. Um, 
I guess, reflecting as a coach and a writer on how important it actually is, especially when you've had a lesson that, you know, perhaps hasn't gone necessarily to plan um, or something that you usually wouldn't um, have a problem with ends up becoming an issue, that particular ride. Um, and, you know, it might not have even been you. It might have just been the horse or, you know, things out of our control. Um, mm-hmm. But it just brings you back to reality and um, the type of mindset where, you know, you um, – are realistic and you can can walk away with something positive because um, there always is something um, yes. and, and one thing to improve on so that it's not always, you know, oh, my gosh, you know, you don't dwell on that thing that just didn't work for you. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely um, a tool that I think is really underutilized and I think it's something that we can do even on our own without having, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be in a lesson. Um, after a ride ourselves, we, we could do it um, just to ourselves to make sure that we're just checking in. Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely, because then it makes you look at the whole picture rather than um, just focusing on perhaps a, a net, well, what you felt or the rider felt was a um, was a negative element of their ride. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Mm. I think that was kind of a little bit of what we wanted to talk about as well, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. Sort of dabbled in it there. Yeah. Shall <laughs> we come way. back to that later? Or yeah, yeah, wanna... yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's okay, fine. cool. So shall we go into, anyway, what um, what an instructor wants and um, – and I'll let you. I'll I'll just let you take the way with that. <laughs> give, give me the floor. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess like um, this this is a um, a bit of an interesting topic, and um, you know I do a lot of posting of, of different blog posts and things on um, on our Facebook page, and I'm always always keen to find good reads um, mm-hmm. relating to coaching and, and writing and um, you know that type of thing and. Um, I actually have been having a few conversations lately with other coaches and, and, you know, sometimes we'll be just talking around just those common things that we all seem to come across, um, you know, just being in the industry, whether it's a riding school instructor or um, a pony club coach or an independent coach, um, you know, that might specialise in a particular discipline. Um, and, um, yeah, so so I thought we'd just cover off, um, I guess, things that your instructor wants you to know or how you can keep um your you know your relationship with your your riding instructor good or or make them happy (laughs) so I guess the the biggest things um that that came up are what I thought I would um I would talk about so the first one for me um and for you know other coaches when we've had these these chats um would be to respect your coach's time. Um, and mm-hmm. so what that necessarily means is, is A, turning up on time, um, because especially in a situation like a riding school where everything's quite back-to-back, um, you know, when your coach has clinics um, booked, they've come up from, you know, a particular area for the day over there at this arena, everything's generally back-to-back. Um, so if one person is late, then the whole day tends to end up, you know, <laughs> being longer and other people are inconvenienced um, 
And so that was just one thing that, you know, is quite common and it does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just comes back to just sort of seeing if you can just be a little bit more punctual. Yeah. Um, the other thing, and I guess it ties in with the second point, is, you know, if you can't make a lesson due to whatever reason, just making sure that you um, don't grumble and you pay mm-hmm. for your spot still. <laughs> and I think yep. you can probably relate to that as well, Ali, from, um, you know, the, the teaching that you do. Yes. Um, I think sometimes people forget that, you know, it is our um, our livelihood, it's our income, mm-hmm. um, and, yeah, it's it's not realistic to fill that spot last minute. Um, and I guess the other thing is, too, there's a plan in place. Um, we, as coaches, put a lot into our students, and you know, there's generally an end goal or a plan or you're trying to work towards something. Um, and in a group situation, in a writing school, the, the group's working towards something. So, you know, if you aren't permitted enough to show up every week or, you know, you're you, you said to your, your instructor that you work with with your own horse, uh, it's, you know, let's commit every week to – working towards this goal. Every time you take a week off, you're, you know, you're generally not only um, inconveniencing your instructor or the other riders if you're in a group situation, but you're also inconveniencing yourself by, Mm. you know, missing out and slowing on that process. And in a group situation, you're actually, um, you know, you're making it harder for the instructor because the instructor will normally, like I say, have plans. Mm -hmm. um, And you're normally walking, working towards that end goal. And, if you're not there for two weeks out of four um, and everybody else is, um, then the instructor's having to go back and, and teach you things that you might have missed out on um, and therefore it affects the entire group dynamic um, yes. and things that run it smoothly. So I think that was number one for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I would have to agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So our time is valuable but also your progress is important. So, um, yeah, that, that was definitely a takeaway. Um, the financing thing, the financing, finances, um, the, the, you know, we talked, we touched on before, just making sure that, um, you know, you do pay for your lessons in the situation that you, you know, ask and it can't make it. Um, and I guess the other thing that ties into that is just making sure that you pay your, um, pay for your lessons on time. So you don't let that drag out, um, because that's another, I guess, common um, thing that tends to happen. I don't know why it is with horses, but <laughs> people just can't be pumped. We must be so busy with our horses that we, we just forget to pay um, the people that do our services for us. Um, yeah, and how I always relate to it is like, um, you know, you'd be pretty upset if, if your boss withheld your paycheck for a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, um, you wouldn't be so not, happy. Not, yeah, no, and it's not great on the relationship um, with your coach either. It's a little bit awkward for the, the coach to have to keep chasing and, um, yeah, I just wouldn't recommend. Um, the other thing that I think we touched on was um, – just um, respecting yourself. So um, arriving at, you know, your lesson um, with your head in the game and, you know, training yourself to be able to leave the distraction of friends and work and everything else behind Mm -hmm. Um, and to be, I guess, mentally fit but also physically fit for for the writing that you um, are expected to do. So, um, you know, if you find that you're getting quite tired at canter, um, you know, you do a lap and then you need a break, um, 
perhaps, you know, if your coach gives you some feedback and says, hey, look, you know, do you think you could, um, you know, maybe um, get to the gym a couple of times a week? You know, let's say in the situation that your goal was, was you know, to go out and do a one-day event, um, to actually take that on board and, mm-hmm. and you know, work on those things that are not in your coach's control. Um, same with if you're struggling with, um, you know, putting your heels down and you know it's because, um, you know, there's something not quite working for you in terms of something might be locking up in your body and your physio's told you about it and they've given you some exercises but you just can't get around to doing them. It's those types of things um, that we, ne- we need to really start to commit and, and um, start to think about that with our writing. Yeah, that's right because I guess like for a coach – there's only so much you can do in that session um, because it is just a short amount of time, really. But there's so much that goes on in and around that that uh, the rider can be working on on a daily basis, like you say, whether it's a, a, a mental fitness or a physical fitness. Exactly, exactly. And I guess as well, like people, um, it is a short time, like you say, Ali, and the more you can read and study and learn between lessons to improve your knowledge will also help. So, you know, taking a bit of homework away and, um, you know, if you, you need to read up a bit more on how to rise to the trot properly or, um, you know, what are the aids to canter, um, you, you can go away and you can read up on that in your own time to give yourself a bit more knowledge or perhaps they might explain it on a video on YouTube slightly different to the coach that might click with Mm-hmm. with what makes sense to you so all of those things I think you know we've got the ability to go away and, and work on that so respecting ourselves enough to go and grow and develop and and be the best that we can be give, give ourselves the best possible chance to succeed yeah and then it enables you to get the most out of your next lesson as well exactly exactly yeah. um I think as well, like respecting your instructor's knowledge and experience. Um, mm-hmm. and a good amount of, you know, blood, sweat, tears, as you would know, mm-hmm. have gone into, um, you know, you're most likely gone into your um, writing instructor's, you know, or your coach's education, um, yeah. no matter what level. Um, and I guess you've just got to have trust in that person to make good judgment calls for what you're ready to achieve um, or what you um, are ready to compete in when you get to that level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as well, just remembering that your instructor is not a mind reader. So mm-hmm. if you, you don't understand or you, you don't necessarily agree with something, be willing to have that discussion um, or, you know, tell tell your instructor that, you know, that doesn't make sense to you so that they can, you know, try and rephrase it or give you the tools. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point, isn't it? Because I think Mm. sometimes people go away from a lesson and don't understand what the instructor has been trying to teach. But um, like you say, not mind readers. So um, I guess it takes that conversation, doesn't it? um, Exactly. Of speaking up and saying... Could you put that in a different way or, um, yeah. you know, so that you can try to get across to them uh, what you were intending? Yeah, exactly. And, like, it doesn't make you 
dumb or, you know, there's, there's no silly questions in, in writing. Um, and I was even in this situation the other day with one of my coaches where I, I didn't understand something. And, um, you know, I ended up getting quite upset because, you know, what I was doing wasn't working for me. And I, I, you know, I was, you know, I didn't want to sound silly or like not knowledgeable. So I just kept trying to understand what the coach wanted. And in the end, I actually got so upset about it because, I, I just couldn't get it, but I could have eliminated that <laughs> by actually saying something before I built it up and, and just kept digging at myself going, you could, you just need to understand what she's trying to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so being confident <laughs> so we all, enough We all do ask. it, and I think it's just a nice reminder um, that, you know, you can question things and you can speak up if you, um, you don't necessarily understand something. Don't just nod and keep keep doing the same thing because <laughs> all that's going to lead to is your instructor getting frustrated saying, you know, why aren't you doing it or why aren't you trying? Because <laughs> I've, I've been there on both sides. You know, I've, been, I've worn both both shoes. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I that's a great point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I guess my last thing um, that I sort of had, and this is where we, we can tie it into, you know, mindset and that kind of thing is um, – is is be that student that you know earns a gold star so um be easy to teach be teachable and eager to learn leave your excuses at home um and and go the extra mile when it comes to um to attitude and and mindset um Mm. and and that's where I guess it takes a little bit of um training the mind um as a writer. <laughs> yes. Yeah. A lot of discipline. Um, mm-hmm. And it's such a massive subject and, and something that I'm just delving into now, I guess, um, as a coach um, and as a writer. And like I said, it ties in before to what I said with, um, you know, at the end of each, each lesson or end of each ride, having that one thing that went well and one thing um, to improve on. Um, I think sometimes as riders, we, we really beat ourselves up when we have a bad ride or um, a bad, you know, a setback. Um, but everyone has them. And even the best riders, you know, ha- have those moments or have felt stuck in their riding at one point. Um, I do teach, like I said before, I set the school up for, for adults originally, and I have quite a large client base of returning to riding adults. And it's amazing with just what comes with these returning to writing adults. They've got such an expectation because when they were a teenager or a child, you know, they rode to quite a high level and then they had a break and they expect to come back and it mm-hmm. should all be there. Yes. And, um, <laughs> and they're often the group that get the most disappointed um, and and they'll compare themselves to others. And um, it, it just um, – we just need to make sure that we aren't comparing ourselves and um, – really peeling back and looking at the achievements that we're actually making and just breaking that negative mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Breaking it down into, I guess, teaching them to, um, yeah, break, break their goals down into small pieces and, and not just be focused on the big goal or where they thought they used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like remaining, you know, mindful of what, um, the areas that you need to improve on are, but also reminding yourself of your strengths at the same time and just breaking that negative cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, like, okay, yeah, you may need to work on, 
you know, your canned transitions because your horse is running um, into them. And that's great that you're aware of it and, you know, focus on fixing it. And, and that's what, you know, coaches are here for. And we're proud of, you know, your motivation and your ability to self-critique. That's great. And now you've got to remind yourself of what you've gotten better at. You know, perhaps yeah. you're having a better time or an easier time controlling your horse's speed or getting the correct distance between fences. And that's something that you had to struggle with eight weeks ago. So that's where we just need to take those moments to, you know, applaud ourselves and give ourselves a pat on the back and, you know, remember that riding is actually hard. You're not only working on <laughs> you, you're working on an animal um, that has a, a mind of its own um, at the same time. And you're doing something that a lot of people will never attempt. A lot of people won't even get on a horse. Yeah. So um, it's cool. And I guess also not, you know, going, oh, I overthink and oh, I stress, but taking it um, into a more positive um sort of way of, of thinking about it and going, it's great that I'm focused and I'm motivated and I want to improve in a sport where many people will give up or grow out of it. Mm, that's right. And mm. do you find that it takes people long to change that habit of, um, I guess, looking at the negative before they um, look at the positives? I think it does. I think it does. And I think it's just like anything, it's creating that habit um, and doing it often enough that it becomes second nature and, you know, um, you just start to do it um, without even realising. Yeah. And, you know, even for me as a rider, I um, I put my hand up and I say that, you know, I've had rides where I'll find myself going down that hole and, you just have to stop yourself. It's like anxiety. You have to know that trigger and you have to know when you're starting to go down that path of no return mm -hmm. where you're going to sit in a hole and then go on Instagram and then compare yourself to every other mm -hmm. rider and, and, you know, their photos that they're posting of their perfect position over that fence um, and go, actually, no, stop. What have I actually achieved? No matter how small, what have I achieved? And there will always be something. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is really cool. And I guess having you as the coach to be able to call them out on those things and make them look at the positives yeah. <laughs> before they yeah. get sucked into that mindset. Yeah. And look, it's hard as a coach too, because, you know, you're there to help that person improve. And sometimes as, as a coach, it's, it's frustrating, I guess, um, when you know that, um, the client or the student can can do something um, that perhaps they're struggling with. So I guess as a coach, too, it's having the ability to actually um, understand that the person the person is probably already so frustrated with it. And if you've given them all of the tools and they genuinely are really trying mm -hmm. um, to just, you know, let it go and, and, and let it be and move on to something else or, you know, just call it a day on that and go, look, that's cool it's fine. These things happen. Um, you know, we, we all know that with, with horses sometimes and with riding, you can take one step forward and, and 10 steps back. <laughs> it's just yeah, the nature of the game. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think one thing I found as well is, um, because I know what the finished product should look like, um, you know, with the horse and the rider, but remembering that they don't have to look like that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right yeah, away. Whereas coaches, we need to remember that and we need to um, 
break it down and yeah I'm a real zero to a hundred so I want something now and it's it's good learning and good um you know really good self-reflection for me um exactly what you just said knowing what the end picture should look like but understanding that for different people um it may not be the same time frame Mm -hmm. you know different people different horses different goals yeah, yeah, totally. It's, it was making me think of um, my daughter at the moment. She's just been learning to jump. And at the start of the year, she was probably going over a trotting pole that was just raised off the ground. And her goal was to um, be jumping 80 centimetres by January next year. And uh, so a couple of weeks ago, she achieved her goal of jumping 80 centimetres. <laughs> and, um, you know, like she's still, uh, I mean, she's doing fantastic, but there's little things like uh, she's standing up more in the stirrups as she goes over the jump instead of pushing her bum back and um, and giving. And I kind of have to stop and, and think to myself, Okay, it's not perfect, but those things are just going to come in time as well. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. It's just that balance, isn't it, between the foundations and knowing what it should look like, but actually just getting out there and doing. Because I think you learn a lot more from the getting out there and doing. Yeah, that's right. Just time in the saddle. Time in the saddle. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And so what other things do you find uh, helpful for people to – I guess, bring along in their mindset and attitude? I think just trying to be open-minded and positive. Um, Yeah, I think coming into the lesson, knowing, um, I guess, what you'd like to achieve, um, but being open-minded and that it might not get there. Um, But again, referring back to the what we had before with the one thing that went well, one thing to improve on, always being able to walk away with that that positive um, out of the lesson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, I think especially with being open-minded as well, um, I think that is something that sticks out to me probably as a just a rider in general as well. Yeah. Because we never stop learning, do we? So you've got to be open-minded. And there's not one way for everybody or every horse, um, as you would know. So you have to be open-minded to, to, to learn things um, or try things a different way. And I think that's the biggest thing for, for people that um, are non-riders that start riding is understanding that, um, yeah. that there isn't just one way um, to do things and – I think sometimes um, that's that's the I guess the expectation. <laughs> it's like no, <laughs> no, unfortunately not. <laughs> but we do. We never stop learning. And um, one of my horses has been the the complete um, example of that. I've had to change everything um, mm-hmm. that I've been doing with her to um, change her. Uh, will turn her and not change her. Turn her into or help her be a more relaxed um, relaxed horse. I've, I've totally adjusted my riding and how I would produce mm. here as to how I would ride and produce um, another horse, for example. So, yeah, yeah I think being open-minded, because that's what I had to do, I, I, I 
went to a, a different instructor who has a different approach. And the first lesson I was like, oh, my goodness, this is completely different to anything else I've ever <laughs> done anything else that anyone like different to anything else anyone else has ever told me Mm -hmm. um but it worked so it just proves that theory yeah that's fantastic isn't it and Mm. I I've learned that lesson many times over as well and I think it's really exciting like now and I try and teach people as well like when you hit a wall almost train yourself to get excited about it instead of frustrated because it's a another opportunity to learn something new. Exactly, exactly. And it's all tools for the kit. And, you know, you're never just going to use them once, um, these tools that you pick up. Um, you know, I might think that, oh, this is only going to be ever useful with this horse or this this that I've picked up will only ever be useful with this particular situation. But it never is like that, is it? It always comes in handy in other situations, whether it's with your horses or whether you speak to someone that's perhaps in a very similar situation. You say, hey, just try this. And then, um, you know, you catch up with them two weeks later and they go, you know what, that actually worked really well. Yeah, yep, that's right. Oh, that is really, really cool. Awesome. Mm. So was there anything else you wanted to touch on in there? Oh, look, I think, um, to be fair, that's that's most of what I had um, to share with, really. I feel like I could go on so many different tangents, which <laughs> <laughs> I probably already have done. No, that's good. That's awesome. We like um, tangents. No, thank you for the time um, and the opportunity to speak with you about these things. I think, um, yeah, like I say, it's, it's sort of like a subject that, we don't really discuss, um, you know, mm-hmm. how to be a good a good student, um, you know. Yep. You, you learn about going to school and being a good student, but I think it's very different out there in the real world, especially when um, it's something that, you know, you're there wanting to do for you. Yes, yep, that's right. And I think sometimes children can even be better students than <laughs> the adults and I think yeah. um, perhaps probably it's because they're in that mindset already. They're 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 at school. They have they've got that open mind. So they're they're constantly practicing being a student. Whereas yeah. when we get older, um, we're kind of used to being the ones that <laughs> that say, yeah. says how it goes. <laughs> I a hundred percent agree with you, and I say it all the time. Um, it's it is it's crazy the difference between teaching a um a, a child and an adult. It really is um, you know, two completely different ways of, of coaching and mm-hmm. teaching. Um and even teaching a skill, you know, just to the two different age groups, it, it's just insane the difference. Um I think children naturally have the ability to be more open minded. Yes. Yeah. So that's something for us adults to remember. To work on. <laughs> yeah, is to be a, have that student mindset. Yeah, but also to have fun, I think. Um, we're a little bit too serious, you know, adults sometimes. Um, and and everything is um, maybe a little bit unrealistic sometimes, like our expectations. Yes. And we want too much too quick, whereas, um, you know, kids I find are a lot more open-minded and they're, they're – They'll have fun and they're generally a little bit more relaxed um, mm-hmm. and they're just like sponges. Yeah. So adults have to work a little bit harder at that. Yeah, <laughs> be more like children. Myself included. <laughs> Me too, yep. <laughs> uh, even I think in our own riding, like 
um, trying to, and I know Warwick Schiller also talks about this a lot as well. He, he refers to it as the 10 year old girl training and, um, you know, kids just seem to get things happening. And I think it's cause they don't, they don't worry about things too much. They don't obsess over the little stuff. They just kind of get on with it and do it. Yeah. Yeah. They don't overthink anything or take the right that's happened last time on their shoulder when they get in the saddle again. Um, like I'll ask some of my kids, what did we learn last week? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> because they've genuinely, genuinely just had so much fun. Like they can go and do what we've learned, but yes. I don't know. They just they just don't overthink or overanalyze it and go home and go, this is what I did, this was what went well, this is, you know, this I need to really, really work on. They don't stew on it. Um, yeah. They just come and they do and they they just love it. And I think, yeah, like you say, that you have to have that inner child in you, I think, and just be really open-minded and, and ready to learn and, um, mm. and not take it too seriously. Yeah, I like that. That's such – those are such good points. Love it. So let's um, start to wrap things up. And um, I have some little quick fire questions. So <laughs> my first one is you might have heard of or you may not have the 80-20 rule. And what this basically is, is it talks about the 20% of things that kind of get the most done in, what it, in whatever we're doing. So kind of like a lot of the time you can drop off a lot of like the 80%, which is sometimes just the fluff, but the 20% of things that you find to be really, really beneficial. So do you have, what are, you, what are your 20% of things? In terms of like life or? Writing, teaching, whatever, whatever area you want to go into. <laughs> well, you've put me on the spot. I feel like I don't know anything about this 80-20 rule. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Can we come back to that? Can yeah. I a yeah, of course. We can come back to that. I'll let you think on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so favourite book or uh, movie? Oh, see, I'm terrible with these questions because I can never pinpoint one. Uh, <laughs> favourite book or movie? Uh, I don't know if I can give you a specific um, books. I love um, Leanne Moriarty. I love all of her books. Mm -hmm. um, and Marion Keys. I'm a real, um, yeah, I love those two authors in terms of outside of the horse world. Yeah. Um, Inside of the horse world, oh, I see I tend to do a lot of um, my stuff online now versus books. Um, oh, even, even just an article or, or somebody who you enjoy reading their, um, their content, I guess. <laughs> okay, yeah. I really love, and oh, this is going to sound absolutely terrible because my pronunciation is going to be absolutely crap, but... Uh, <laughs> Noel Floyd. Okay. Um, so Noel Floyd, and I've probably said that wrong. It's probably French and, and sounds amazing when it's said properly. Um, <laughs> but um, they do a lot of, of good blog posts um, around equestrian and, um, you know, riding and horses and, and all of those 
types of things. Okay. Um, and I love it. I love them and I love sharing them and I can relate to a lot of them. And I'll often take clients in them or, um, you know, post them up on my, my Facebook page. Um, but I, I love their content. Ah, awesome. I'll have to check that out. I, don't, I think mm. I may have seen some of them pop up before, but I haven't uh, looked into it so much. So I'll, yeah. have to, I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, definitely do it. Okay, so uh, the most useful product you've bought in the last year for under $100. Horse, horse related, of course. I don't know if there's too many, too many things under a hundred dollars, but <laughs> horse related. Oh, um, under a hundred, probably uh, my Micklem bridle. Aha. Mm, it's not a real one because that wouldn't be under a hundred dollars. <laughs> it's a, a replica from Timber Warehouse. Right. Um, but one of my horses is a wee bit sensitive. In fact, we've got two of them in the riding school that we swapped to um, McLims. Um, and they are so much happier. I'm not a fan of, you know, changing um, the gear or lots of, you know, artificial aids and things and um, and all of that. But um, I believe sometimes there is a place for them. And these bridles don't sit on the main nerves in the face. So for sensitive horses, they... Um, actually tend to work quite well and yeah I haven't turned back after putting them on both of these two horses they're so much happier that is awesome I guess especially if you've got um, students on that are learning to ride and sometimes unbalanced in in their body and their hands it probably um, perhaps dulls it down a little bit yeah keeps it a little bit steadier Mm. yeah ah that's cool awesome so next question, um, where can we find you online? If people want to find out more about what you do, I'm sure we have some Kiwis that are interested in, and perhaps up your way that um, want to get lessons. Um, yeah. where, where can they find out more about, about you? For sure. So we've got um, a website, which is www.maharingiridingschool.co.nz. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on Facebook, uh, like most people. Yep. <laughs> um, Maharangi Riding School. If you search us on there, we will come up. And we're on Instagram as well. Um, Instagram, you get a lot more of the cute, you know, um, un- uncut photos um, <laughs> of the crew. So uh, that would be Maharangi. I think it's Maharangi Riding School, just all one word. Okay, um, cool. We on can Instagram put there, in. quite a long handle. Yep. Awesome. Cool. And then. Oh, hold on. We'll come back to the 80-20 rule. <laughs> so, I knew you wouldn't forget about it. Yeah, no way. If, for example, you could even pick um, three exercises that you really like or a couple of exercises that you find um, can be most beneficial or a mindset or anything yeah. you want. <laughs> Do you want me to tell you that now? Yeah. So refresh me about this 80-20 rule. What what is the 80-20 rule? So kind of just like picking out – so for example – I can't believe I haven't heard about it. I'm going to get off the phone to you and (laughs) – Do some Googling. Yeah. It's – when I was doing my business studies, it's quite a common um, term in in business studies because, you know, uh, oftentimes we can spend lots of time doing things. Like say, for example – 
if I was out riding and um, I might accidentally spend lots of time just trotting round and round and round in circles, which actually isn't going to <laughs> make a heck of a lot of improvement. But no. if I focused on the 20% of things that are going to help build our fitness and strength and balance, then I might be like, oh, well, the 20% of things I want to focus on are uh, transitions or doing some smaller circles to help with balance or, I don't know, um, making sure that I am balanced within myself as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, the to- some, some of your favorite things that make a big difference. Um, so I think for me it would be um, when I hack out, I will generally lead a horse off a horse. Yeah, cool. Um, that definitely helps when you've got a big team. Um, I think as well – um, just making sure that you're being a bit more productive with your time. So instead of spending an hour on each horse, um, like the example you just gave me, trotting around and around and around, mm-hmm. um, having a more productive 20 minutes. Um, yeah, I think those types of things um, definitely make a big difference in the scheme of things when, you know, especially for me, I work full time. Um, I commute from the city to where I live. Um, so I spend most days a good sort of two and a bit, uh, sorry, it's about three and a bit actually hours on the road. Um, oh and then I have the nine horses to um, feed and exercise and look after. So any time saving things um, are great. And I guess that's where being smart and also, um, you know, a win-win is having um, my more experienced riders that are ready for that next step of, you know, you know, almost horse ownership, um, leasing a couple of the horses, and they help out a great deal with exercising and, um, you know, sharing the feeding and everything as well. So um, I think that would be the in that 20% category. (laughs) Those things definitely (laughs) sound... Yeah. Maybe I need to get some students to help me feed out my horses. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, And to finish off, uh, I mean, our podcast is called Working from the Inside Out. So what does that mean for you and what you do? Working from the inside out, I think to me um, that all looks at um, your your mindset and you know mental um, well being and mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how that appears or comes across to me. Um, and finally, that's something that we've started to look at um, with writing and mm-hmm. lessons um, because. Um, we, you know, when we may be learning a new skill or perhaps, you know, you're you're really a dressage rider, but, you know, we're, we're looking at some some jump work and that, you know, makes you a little bit nervy or everyone's watching you when, when you do your round and that makes you a little bit tense and you start to find yourself freeze and then the horse starts to go quite quick. Um, we've just been working on breathing and mm-hmm. just being mindful and thinking about the breath and just coming back to being present and, and, and thinking about something like, quite simply counting the trot rhythm or um, breathing in for, um, you know, four or five strides on one breath and then breathing out for the same and then extending the breath to be able to take more strides um, on the in-breath and the out-breath. Not the stride getting faster, but 
really starting to breathe deeper. Yeah. Um, and full, you know, full belly breathing when we're riding and just focusing on that. So, yeah, to me that's what I've rambled, but that's what that would say or, or yeah. to me it would mean mindful and, and mindset and, and mentally. Yeah, that's perfect. I love that. And I like those. Uh, I mean, those can be some really great tips that people can take away listening um, to this as well because the breath is so important and yeah. and um, and being mindful and present within the work that they're doing because I think it, it really does um, affect the horse in a way as well because if the rider's not present, then how can we expect our horses to be too? <laughs> 100%. And it's something like I, I've only just started, you know, delving into that and and that's from inspiration from yourself and a few other um, people that I, I follow. And nice. um, Sue Pennington actually was the one that does that breath exercise, and I did it in a lesson with her. And just the difference in my really sensitive horse um, when I did that breath exercise, it was incredible, and nothing else changed apart from the breath. But obviously with the breath came I would have relaxed muscles that I had no idea that I was tensing and you know, perhaps I actually wasn't as focused as I could have been and that just brought me right back to where we were at and, and not any external factors. Yeah, I really like that. It's interesting because at the moment I am, oh, well, a month away from my due date of, of yes. our latest baby um, becoming Earthside and um, I've been reading a book uh, called Hypnobirthing, and that is one of the things that it talks about is uh, the breath. It's such a big, important thing. And, you know, if, um, if we're holding on to our breath or working against our bodies, um, we're essentially doing that. We're working against ourselves, which makes everything a whole lot harder, whether you're riding a horse or giving birth. Giving birth. I'm glad the two tie in. I'll yeah. be so prepared when it's my turn. Totally. Do you know it's funny? Like every time I'm, I'm like – reading or listening to something about giving birth or you know just planning with all of that I'm like oh yeah like this is the same as horses <laughs> we never stop learning yeah so you'll be well prepared <laughs> <laughs> so good <laughs> awesome well thank you so much for joining me and um and sharing some really really cool tips uh, it's been great speaking with you and hopefully we can do it again and um, and perhaps even go deeper into the, the breath work and mindset. Sounds good. Yeah, like I said, it's something I'm definitely wanting to, you know, grow my knowledge on. So hopefully next time we catch up, I'll have some more, um, you know, enlightening and insightful um, tips and, and knowledge to share. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, Thanks for having me. <laughs> This podcast was proudly brought to you by Finesse Equestrian. For free videos and articles, head on over to finesseequestrian.com. You can also find me on Facebook or YouTube under Finesse Equestrian Training or on Instagram under Ali A. O'Brien. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe so you are the first to listen in, to screenshot and share on social media and rate and leave us a review.
so you can do your part in helping us to reach more horses and people.